Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. And as you know, if you've been listening, we are the podcast that is studying the Bible and how the biblical covenant relates. So we hope you have your Bibles ready because we are about to go to them. And without further ado, I'll turn it over to my co-host. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, <clears throat> this evening, what we want to do is continue where we left off. As you know, we are dealing with the sacrificial system and also the Day of Atonement. And in both the type as well as the antitype, what we're looking at is seven phases of what we call the circulatory system. Now, we dealt with the confessional phase, and after the confessional phase, we are now dealing with the, the sacrificial or the slaying phase. So when we slay the animal, uh, that's another phase in dealing with the uh, blood sacrifice, and we could call it the slaying, or either we could refer to it as the sacrificial phase. And so we want to look at this phase uh, here this, this evening. And so uh, we want to turn in our Bibles to the book of Leviticus. And as we look in the book of Leviticus, we want to look at what we call the type of the, of the sacrificial system. And then we want to see how that plays out with the antitype. Okay. So we want to look at Leviticus. And in Leviticus, we want to look at chapter 4. And in chapter 4, we want to look at verses 4 and 15. Leviticus chapter 4. And we want to look at verse 4 first and then verse 15. Here it reads, And he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before Yahuwah, and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head and kill the bullock before Yahuwah. And then in verse 15, it says, And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock before Yahuwah, and the bullock shall be killed before Yehoah. So what we're looking at here in type is that when they brought the animal sacrifice, they were to confess their sins, of which we already discussed. And then after they had confessed their sins over the head of the animal sacrifice, then they were to cut the animal's throat to get the blood. And so this is why we entitled the second phase of the circulatory system is the slaying phase or what we call a sacrificial phase in which they actually kill the animal sacrifice in order to obtain his blood. Now, as we pointed out in the typical slaying of the animal sacrifice, after one had confessed one's sins over the head of the sacrifice, one would slay the animal and take its blood. Moreover, in the typical we pointed out that the killing of the sacrificial animal provided the ransom, which was the substitutional death, which was needed to atone for the repentant. Let us look at this same scenario 
of the sacrificial phase in the antitypical sacrificial phase. So we want to look at the anti antitype. Now, when we have confessed our sins to Yeshua, the Lamb of of the Lamb of Yahuwah, then in doing so, we also have to kill the Lamb of of Yah in order to be able to obtain his life. Now, death follows the confessional phase. However, there's a slight difference in how we slay Yeshua, the lamb, in the antitypical phase than in the type. In type, the repentant says, the lamb... He slays the lamb by cutting his throat and getting his blood. In the antitype, we kill the lamb of Yah by our sins. Okay, so we want to see, even though they had an instrument in which they cut the lamb's throat, yet Yeshua, who is the antitypical lamb, he is also put to death. And we want to see why how he is put to death. Okay, I want to turn to Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 59. In Isaiah 59, we want to look at verse number two. Okay. So here in Isaiah 59, and looking at verse two, it says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your Elohim, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Okay, so what it is bringing out here is basically that it is sins that separates us from Elohim. Okay, and when he separates us, he goes on to say, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So we see here that when we deal with the circulatory system, we are dealing with the blood. And as we deal with the blood, we are trying to get the life of an innocent lamb. But in antitype, when we deal with the blood, we're trying to get to the pure blood of Yeshua. So here we are told that our iniquities separate us from Elohim, and our sins hid his, hid his face from us. Now, what we must understand is that when we confess our sins and give them to Yeshua, he carries them. Consequently, when he carries our sins, then he is to then he is to separate, be separated from his father. So in other words, if sin separates us from Elohim, and once we confess those sins and put them on Yeshua, he now carries our confessed sins. And as he carries our uh, confessed sins, then just like we were separated from the Father, then if he has our sins, then this means that he also would be separated from his Father. Because our sins alienated us from Jehovah. When we put them on Yeshua, he is also alienated from him 
This is why Yeshua, our lamb, cried out when he was on the cross. And we want to turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 27. And in Matthew chapter 27, we want to look at verse number 46, Matthew 27, 46. And the Bible tells us in the 46th verse of the 27th chapter, he says, And about the ninth hour, Yeshua cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabathani, that is to say, My Elohim, my Eli, my Eli, where hast thou forsaken me? Okay. So we saw in the ant we saw in the type that they slayed the lamb and they took his blood. In antitype, we see that we confess our sins over him and it's the sins that separate us from him. So when we put those sins on Yeshua, then we are reconciled to the Father, but the Son is separated from the Father because sin cannot stand in his presence. So when he was on the cross, the Father could not... Uh, as it were, connect with him because he was sinful. He had our sins on him. And this is why he cried out, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabathani, my El, my El, why hast thou forsaken me? He cried that out because uh, him taking the sins of us upon him, then he cried out because he was being separated from the Father, of which this is the first time he and the father has always been in union together. But once he took on our sins and he died on the tree, then he was separated. And this is why he cried out those words, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabathani, Mael, Mael, why hast thou forsaken me? So what we see is that, uh, this separation by sin is what gives us our redemption. So what we see that is uniquely different between type and antitype in the former, the repentant uses a physical instrument to kill the lamb to get his blood, whereas in the latter, our sins are instruments used to kill the lamb of Yah. It is our sins that, that kill him. It is our sins which put Yeshua on, on the cross. In the typical, once having killed the sacrifice, the blood of the sacrifice was collected in a basin to be applied in certain areas of the sanctuary tabernacle. In the antitypical, once having killed or crucified Yeshua, his blood was also put in a container or a basin to be applied to certain areas of the sanctuary tabernacle. What we must understand about type and antitype is that antitype might not align itself with the type in every particular. You see, the type teaches us something but often the antitype does not follow 
exactly in every detail. However, when we deal with type and antitype, especially in the sense of Yeshua being the antitype, he is the fulfilling of everything in the Mosaic tabernacle sanctuary. He is the antitypical high priest of Aaron. He is the antitypical sacrificial lamb. He is the antitypical bread of life that was on the table of shoe bread. Any part of the sanctuary that you can take, Yeshua can identify with that part. He is also personified as the basin which carries the blood to be applied to the various areas of the sanctuary tabernacle. So when we look at the tabernacle service and we see in type that when they cut the lamb's throat, they collected the blood in a, in, in a, in a container or a basin. And then when we look at the same scenario in the life of Yeshua, we must understand that Yeshua was also the basin because he would be the one that would carry his blood in the container of his body to the heavenly sanctuary. So when we can understand that when we take every facet of the sanctuary and align it with Yeshua, then it gives life to the sanctuary and it gives meaning uh, to what is going on. So just as they put the blood in a container and then they would bring it and they would sprinkle it, even so, Yeshua is also the container. He's the sacrifice. He's also the priest. Everything that Aaron did and everything that was in the sanctuary had a connection with Yeshua, the Messiah. So when we can understand that principle, then we can see that he was also the basin to carry the blood to be allocated in certain areas of the sanctuary. He is, he is the fulfilling of everything in the Mosaic Tabernacle Sanctuary. He is also uh, the one who takes all of the blood of the sinful confession of those who have come for atonement. He takes all of their sins, just like Aaron did, and, and after he takes all of those sins, then when the sacrifice has been slain, then he takes that blood and he has to put it at the appropriate places uh, of the sanctuary. Now, we're not dealing with the application of the blood yet. The only thing we're dealing with here is getting the blood. We'll, in future lecturers, uh, deal with where the blood was sprinkled as we did in the, in the type. So here we, he, here we have it, is that the once understanding this principle of Yeshua being the antitypical fulfillment of the entire sanctuary tabernacle, one will unlock the mysteries of the sanctuary. A lot of time when you read the sanctuary, sometimes you look at it and it has a lot of mysteries, but a lot of the mysteries are solved when we put Yeshua in his rightful place. 
So what we want to see at this juxtaposition is what happens when our sins are put, what happens when our sins put Yeshua to death? What happened? When our sins put him to death, what happened? Okay. Let us, let us first turn to Genesis. We want to find out what happens when our sins uh, put Yeshua to death. What happens? We want to turn to Genesis chapter 9. And in Genesis chapter 9, we want to look at one verse there, Genesis 9. And in the ninth chapter, we want to look at verse number 6. Genesis 9, 1, 9, 6, okay. Genesis 9, 6. And we want to look at that verse as we deal with the sins putting Yeshua to death, okay. Now, here verse 6 says in verse 9, it said, whose soul shedded man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of Elohim made he man. So in other words, this text is telling us that whosoever sheds man's blood, it says, by man shall his blood be shed. So if one would kill a person, then they have taken that person's life. And in return, the Bible says, that man who took another man's life, that his blood shall also be shed. So if you shed somebody's blood, your blood has to also be shed. Okay. All right. Now, want to keep that thought in mind as we follow that, that, that train, that train of thinking. Okay. Now, want to turn to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21. And in Exodus chapter 21, we want to look at verse number 12. Exodus 21, 12. Here it says, it says, He that smiteth a man so that he die, shall surely be put to death. Okay, now we want to understand the concept that we're dealing with. Now we read in Genesis 9, 6, where he says, if we shed blood, then our blood we shed. Now in the book of Exodus, that was written by the same author, which was Moses, who had received it from Elohim. He said, he that smiteth a man so that he die, shall be surely put to death. Okay, so that's staring, that's carrying the same thought as Genesis 9, 6. If you smite a man and you kill him, he said, you also shall be put to death. Okay. Now, we want to look in, in the book of Leviticus. And in Leviticus, we want to look at chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24, and we want to look at verse number 17. Okay. Leviticus 24, 17 says this, And he that killeth any man shall surely be put to death. Okay. So anytime they kill somebody, especially uh, when it 
we'll say they, they did it out of a knowledge that they were doing it. Now, sometimes there were accidents and they would go to the city of refuge until they could uh, get the case and look at it and see who was at fault. But this is talking about someone who intentionally has killed someone. He says here, and he that killeth any man shall surely be put to death. So we see that if we kill someone and put them to death, then our life should also uh, be taken. So what we must understand about the taking of uh, the taking of life of a person. When we take someone's life in exchange, we must give our life. See, that's according to scripture. If we take somebody's life, we must give our life. However, in the sacrificial phase, when we took the life of Yeshua by our sins, we had to give our life in exchange for his. We killed him, therefore, by taking his life, we have to give him ours. We look at, we took a righteous life and gave him a sinful life. See, that's the beauty of the, that's the beauty of the atonement when we come to Yeshua. Yes, our sins put him to death. And so, since we put him to death by our sins, then he gave his life for us. So we have to give our life to him. But the beauty of the thing is, is that when we give him our life, we are giving him a life of sin. But when he gives us his life, he's given us a life of righteousness. And if we could see that it's a life for life. I give him the sinful life. He gives me the righteous life. But see, ordinarily, if you kill someone, you take their life, they take your life. But the only thing about it is the Bible teaches that we've all sinned and come short of his glory. So that means if I took someone's life who is sinful, and then they turn around and take my life, which is sinful, then it's just two, two sinners exchanging life. But when it comes to Yeshua, he never sinned. Therefore, when we take his life, we are taking a righteous life, and we are giving him, in exchange, a sinful life. In the typical sacrifice, both the blood and the flesh had meaning. However, in our study here with the antitype, we want to deal not with the flesh, but with the blood. Primarily the blood is what we want to look at. So when we look at the antitypical blood of Yeshua, we will refer to this uh, antitypical blood, or uh, what we call the antitypical uh, blood, as a sacrifice, as the spiritual sacrifice. So when we look at the blood of Yeshua, we want to look at a spiritual sacrifice. What is it about these, uh, a, a spiritual sacrifice? Okay. So we want to look at a spiritual sacrifice. 
and usually we get this through the blood. So why do we refer to the blood sacrifice as a spiritual sacrifice? Why do we do that? Okay, let's find out why we call it a spiritual sacrifice. Okay, now we know in the old uh, covenant, in the type, they literally had the blood of the animal. But now we're talking that when we deal with the spiritual sacrifice, we are dealing with the blood in a spiritual sense. But we want to find out why do we refer to the blood sacrifice as a spiritual sacrifice. And so we want to look at Leviticus. I want to turn to Leviticus chapter 17. And in the chapter 17, we want to look at verse 11. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So he's making it clear here, the reason why Yeshua died for us to make the atonement, he had to give his blood, which basically means he had to give his life. He had to give his life. So when we talk about blood, he said the life was in the blood. So blood represents life. So here we are told that the life is in the blood. Now let's, let us turn to Genesis chapter 2. G Genesis chapter 2. In the second chapter of Genesis, we want to look at verse number 7. Genesis 2, 7. Now, we read in Genesis 2, 7, it says, And Yehoah, Elohim, formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. From this text, Genesis 2, 7, it was Elohim's spirit that gave life to the blood. And when we look at the, when we look at the name Adam, Adam, okay, would you look at the man, name Adam? Now, Adam means man. It means man. Now, when you take the uh, A off of Adam, you have the word dom, and the word dom in Hebrew means blood. It means blood. So now what we are looking at here is that wrapped up in the Hebraic name of Adam is the elements in which he was made out of. Because when you trace down the word Adam, it means man from the earth. He was created out of the soil of the earth. And then when you take the A off, you have the word down, which means blood. And then if you take the, the A and the D off, you got the word A-M. And A-M in the Hebrew, am, it means people. And then if you take the A off, along with the D and the first A, you only have one letter left, and that is the M or the Mim. The mim is the 13th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and 
the mem means water. It means water. So let's look at it. When you look at Adam, he was a man from the earth. Elohim used water to make him, and then he made him with blood. And when he made him with the blood, he was still a life, lifeless creature until Elohim breathed into man's nostrils and man became a living soul and his blood was oxygenated to give life. So when the life came into Adam, where did it come in? It came through his nostrils and it went into his blood. And this is why the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's where the oxygen is. Therefore, in order for something to be spiritual, it must have the spirit of Yehoah. Yehoah's spirit must be in it. It is his spirit which gives life to the blood. Therefore, blood symbolizes the life of Yah's spirit. When the confessed sins of the repentant are given to Yeshua, he takes our confession to himself. When he takes our confession, he is taking our sinful life because in our confession is a record of our sinful lifestyle. Therefore, when our sinful life takes his righteous life and, and puts him to death, we take his righteous life and we live his righteous life. Once we exchange lives, this is called justification by faith, which is the imputed righteousness of Elohim to us. We impute our sins to him. He impute his righteous life to us in the exchange of us, our sins, killing him. He takes our life, give us righteousness, and takes his, our sinful life, and he dies for us. Now, keep in mind that once this exchange of the sinful for the righteous, we are atoned for. That's what the atonement is about, is exchanging the life of sin for the life of righteousness. When this transaction takes place, the repentant sinner goes on his way free from sin, and Yeshua, our lamb, who gave his blood, which is his life, he now takes our sinful life to make a, an application of it both in the courtyard and the heavenly sanctuary tabernacle. So we'll, we'll stop there. Uh, now that we know that he gives us justification through giving us his blood, which means he gives us his life. Now we have to see what, how he applies this blood, how he applies this life. And that will be what we'll discuss in, in, in the next discourse. Yeah. I found it interesting. Um, how you broke down the name of Adam in Hebrew with Adam being man of the earth mm -hmm. then from Dom blood, mm -hmm. then Am meaning people mm -hmm. and then the M as water. I found that very interesting. You know, 
how it shows he was came from the earth mm-hmm, just yeah, in the uh, broken down of the name yeah did uh it's now what one must understand when you study each letter of the hebrew alphabet it has some concrete thing to go with it mm-hmm. and when you look at all of the letters of adam's name they tell us not only that he was a man but we it tells us what he was made out of mm-hmm. and what you will notice is that Adam had been made from the earth. He had been made from water and the blood is in his name. But the only thing that he did not have was life because only Elohim, only Elohim can give life. Yeah. And it goes back to how you said when the one scripture where he uh, breathed life into him Mm -hmm. to give him life which yes. activated the blood mm-hmm. and everything else in the system and mm-hmm. all. And, um, and it's interesting too, that it's basically, I said a life for a life mm-hmm. because uh, well, let me ask this. When we first come out the womb, are we righteous until we sin? Well, uh, not not actually. No, we're not. Okay, and that's okay. that question. That question that you ask is quite a profound question, mm-hmm. because scholars, theologians, teachers, and preachers, we often struggle with that question. Mm-hmm. If a person is coming forth out of the womb and have never even lived or even know about uh, right and wrong, are they sinful? Okay. Now, here's where we here's where we get into what you call original sin. Original sin is where Adam sinned, and then when he sinned, he passed sin all the way down the line to us. Mm-hmm. That's why some areas of the scriptures it speaks about the first Adam and then the second Adam, which was Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Okay, now when Yeshua was talking, let's I, let's turn to a text in in the uh, in the book of John because we want to look at your question. Okay. The question is asking more than what we can see on the surface. Okay, right. and, and we'll turn to the Gospel of John, and that's the third chapter. Okay, Gospel. Okay, now here. Here the Bible says in the Gospel of John, uh, he says here, uh, as we look in in the verse 4, St. John, the third chapter, verse 4 says, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Yeshua answered, Verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. And then he said, He cannot see until he do this, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Elohim. But now notice verse six, what it says. It said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, what he's telling Nicodemus is this uh-huh. all, all of us. All of us who come into this world, 
okay. must experience the physical birth. Mm-hmm. But we must also understand that in the physical birth, that when we come forth out of the womb, we're still sinful mm-hmm. because of original sin that has been passed down to us. Mm-hmm. So one scripture says that we were born, born in sin and shaping in iniquity, and that's found in Psalms, the 51st division. Okay. He said we are born in sin, shaping iniquity. So in order to get to the kingdom, we have to experience at least two births. The first birth is by our mother and the father. Mm-hmm. The sperm and the egg, and the woman delivers us through her womb. Okay. okay. That's, that's flesh. That's a sinful birth. Mm-hmm. But once we get into this world, then we have to be born again. See, everybody has to have two births. Yeshua, he was spiritual, and he came to this world physical. He had two births. He had the spiritual birth and the physical birth. So when we are born, we start with the physical birth, and then we come into a knowledge of the spiritual birth. Now, there's a, there's much more to your question about, about the womb, about the womb. Uh, mm-hmm. Perhaps we may be able to put that in through some of our lectures and I'll see how I can weave it in. Okay. But the thing, but the thing that we are looking at is when we come into this world, we come in sin. And then as we seek salvation, then we could be born again and that the spirit can dominate the flesh and we can live as Elohim wants us to live. Okay. So with the two births, does, how does that tie in for a life for a life? for a sinful life and trading that for a spiritual life. What, what you, uh, let me see, let me, let me be clear uh, what you asked me. You're saying how does the, the birth mm-hmm. and the death. Of- well, the, do the two birth does do the two births, okay. I guess, still tie in to the life for a life with yeah, Yahuwah, you- where he takes our sinful life and then returns give us a righteous life. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you can look at that as as this way. Uh, okay, I think I could point out at least two ways that that tie in. Number one uh-huh. is that when we accept Yeshua as our personal Savior, okay, what happens is is that when we accept Him, then a part of the acceptance is to give him our old life of sin mm-hmm. and he give us a new life of righteousness. And that's called the new birth. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in order to get to new birth, the tie in is that you must die. The, you must die the physical, uh, you must die to the flesh, which is sinful. Mm-hmm. And when you die to the flesh, which is sinful, then you accept the spirit which is righteousness. Okay. And so in order to get married or, or to be born again, mm-hmm. it's, it's a death. And this is why he told Nicodemus, you got to be born of the spirit and the water. Now the first death that we die is when we are go down into the watery grave, which they call baptism, we die. And then when we come out of the baptism by faith, we now, uh, have the new birth, we now have life. 
we've, we, we have been resurrected from the water. Okay. Now, I want you to keep in mind is that while we are living, we have what you call the aqua, mm -hmm. the aqua baptism. Okay. Now, what is the aqua baptism? That's the water baptism, mm -hmm. but it is equal to uh, the, the, the baptism that when we are put in a grave, which we call death. Okay. In other words, when a person dies, they put them in the grave, and then uh, if they have lived a righteous life, they'll be resurrected to a new life. And so when they're resurrected to that new life, then they're going to be immortal, and that is going to be the new birth in a way of speaking. Okay. All right. And the last question before we bring this podcast to a close, the City of Refuge was that place more like a court system where a person would maybe go there to get judgment? Yeah, in a way it was like a court system, but uh, one of the prim primary reasons for the uh, cities of refuge was the fact that if a person killed someone, it could have been accidentally, could have been purposefully, mm -hmm. but Elohim told Moses to make cities of refuge that they'll be able to escape. And I think it's about, they were placed strategically around in the areas of, of the, of, of Israel, where all of the 12 sons were There's about six of them. Mm -hmm. And they would kind of space that if you kill someone, you could run to one of these cities and you had to stay there. And then the priest who was over that particular jurisdiction, he would try to gather the evidence and see if, the person warrants stand in the city of refuge or should they take him out and kill him? Mm. So those uh, particular cities was for that, okay. which did bring about some judgments. But mm -hmm. uh, in addition to that, they also had other laws that Moses had given that they could be conducted, not just in the city of refuge, but the city of refuge was sort of like a holding place until they could sit down and see what this person actually did and was, did he do it purposefully or was it an accident? Okay. Now, sometimes even if it was a purposeful thing, mm -hmm. they would tell that person that they had to stay in a city of refuge and they couldn't come out. Mm -hmm. And if they couldn't come out, then they said the only way they'll be able to come out is if the high priest died during that person's lifetime in that city. And if the high priest died, they could come out. But if they came out before the high priest died, then their lives would be taken. So that's how a lot of these religions and churches, it uh, seems like, take that city of refuge and what they do now when they uh, maybe hide a criminal or hide somebody, you know, from. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what they call the asylum. Okay. The asylum is that I don't know outside of uh, Catholicism of any church practicing that other yeah. than Catholicism. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that may be others mm -hmm. and they take them into asylum and they, according to that, a silence on whatever the criminal did. He may be in the mafia or something, but mm -hmm. he can get uh, protection through that. Okay. Can you give us prayer before we close? Okay, All right. 
Beloved Father, as we look to another phase of the circulatory system, which we call the sacrificial system, and we're so thankful that when we give our sinful life to Yeshua and he gives his righteous life to us, we impute unto him a vow life and he imputes unto us a good life. He gives us his righteousness for our sins and in that exchange, we receive the atonement. So we pray that each one of us day by day may continue to confess our sins and that he may continue to impute his righteousness to us each day and in part his sanctification to us each day and each day that we may impute and impart to him the sinful life that we are living, that our lives may be purified through the life blood, through the life of Yeshua the Messiah. Now bless us as we continue these podcasts that they may be able to be beneficial to us in understanding the great plan of salvation that you have given to your people, that when you do come as a result of following in the antitypical fulfillment of the life of Yeshua, that we can be saved in your eternal kingdom. So bless, keep, guide, and die, and direct each one of us until we meet again. We ask these blessings in no other name but the name of Yeshua the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Well, that is our podcast for this week. We want to encourage you to return in keeping the covenant which Yahuwah has cut with us. And also to follow our podcast weekly. Feel free to email us at thescienceofthecovenant at gmail.com with your questions or comments. And as it states in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto Elohim, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Until next week, people, shalom.